from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to Total SF in Exile, and welcome back, Heather Knight. Hello, good to see you. It is good to see you again, um, and uh, actually, long time no see. We only saw each other yesterday at the Chronicle in real life. Yes, I don't think I'd seen you since like early March, and we met at 901 Mission in person wearing our matching So I Married an Axe Murderer t-shirts to say goodbye to our editor-in-chief, Audrey Cooper, which was sad, but we got to have a couple of beers with her and catch up behind our masks. It was weird keeping our social distance, but but it was good to see you guys. It was weird, but it also made me feel for the first time like it's possible to go back to work. Like I can imagine that now. Um, I went and worked at my desk for about an hour and that felt super weird. I mean, it felt like I hadn't been there for 17 years, but um, really nice. Chronicle, like I, I compare it to like Disneyland when it opens and it's like, weirdly sparkling clean which is not like any newsroom I've been in it was super clean and there were tons of like Lysol disinfecting wipes everywhere and masks and hand sanitizer they they're getting it together great to say goodbye to Audrey who we may get for one more podcast though she's been a frequent total SF guest we've asked her to come on one more before she leaves for her um as of this recording, mysterious job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and she, uh, we've got to um, pay tribute to her for basically approving all of our weird total SF shenanigans. Not very many editor-in-chiefs at major newspapers would say, you want to ride every bus in one day? You want to hire a bagpiper to play before So I Married an Axe Murderer at the Balboa? Go for it. So thank you, Audrey. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey. Um, We'll say it to her face hopefully soon. But first, I am so excited about this episode. You booked it um, after watching Reverend Dr. Megan Rohr on Queer Eye Season (laughs) 1, Episode 1. This came out of nowhere. Yes, I had followed Megan on Twitter and Instagram and they have like an amazing social media presence, lots of reassuring words during these horrible months. But then um, they, they posted that they were on Queer Eye, which was amazing because that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Super happy, uplifting, sweet show that we really need right now. And just, you know, the marriage of, of Megan and Queer Eye is just a match made in heaven, you might say, considering they're a minister. Yeah, it's a great episode. Noah Hepler, he's a um, evangelical leader in the Lutheran Church. He's a pastor in Philadelphia, and um, it's not a big makeover show. He's kind of going through some other spiritual changes. They bring in Megan Rohr as almost like kind of like a guide, and uh, I think they were fantastic in the episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. Definitely watch it. It's on Netflix now. Queer Eye, Season 5, Episode 1. And Megan Rohr is joining us. Um, I absolutely loved this conversation. Uh, It already happened. We record this after. (laughs) Yes. Uh, My dog interrupts twice. Other than that, um, super fun. We cover a lot of things. And uh, I thought they were just absolutely funny, excellent. And Megan's already promised to come back. You'll have to listen to the end to see what we're going to do with Megan next. Yes. I'm Peter Hartlop. I'm Heather Knight. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much.
Reverend Megan Rohr, welcome to Total SF. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we loved your Queer Eye episode. Um, it was amazing. We live tweeted it a few nights ago, and you were participating, which was super fun. So um, tell us how this came about, that you were this star on, on Queer Eye. Um, well, I th- it probably goes back to a leap of faith that my congregation, Grace Lutheran and the Sunset, made back in, like, 2005 they hired this like social media influencer to try to make me famous on Instagram (laughs) and first yeah they had to first tell me why that would help uh and then they helped us like figure out like what's great about me that other people might like and so they helped us like figure out how to like make that message in a really cool way and then and then I got like 12,000 followers and I then Cosmo called to like do a video (laughs) wow put that on the list of like the first list of uh things you never think you'll do when you grow up when you were in Sioux Falls South Dakota and so I went to New York and did this Cosmo video about being trans and and being a pastor and how I reconcile that and then that got really popular uh ironically it, it came out when I was in Wittenberg, Germany, which is where Martin Luther put up the 95 theses to like cause the whole reformation. And I was like, the media, it's the way to make the church better. (laughs) And then I think out of that, it it kind of just made it where I was thought to be a cool pastor. You are a cool pastor. I'll take it. That's I have young kids, so it's hard to believe it. Do they, do they call you? How how did this, how did this kind of go down? Uh, well, they gave me a call to just like check in because they were going to work with a Lutheran pastor. And it, it started off just out of like wanting to like know more about what Lutheran pastors think and feel. And right, because you, their whole goal is to treat people like they're heroes. So you don't want to like accidentally offend them with language. And so the same way that you would do research if you were going to go fix up the house of a turtle right? You'd need to like learn what turtles eat and what colors <laughs> they get that make them mad, right? Um, so I just started with conversations like that and then kind of developed into um, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a team of people who could be like cheerleaders for this pastor because they know that they do a show and then they leave and they want to help heroes as long as possible. But it's it's even better when you can connect people to like mentors or to people who could be checking in with them regularly and and it's just been during the time of having like a secret that a show's going to come out and you're not supposed <laughs> to talk about it it's nice to just have other pastors that you can kind of have conversations about that with and so it was it was a really lovely opportunity what was the filming like hot <laughs> it was 105 degrees oh literally. my gosh and so I, I don't know if either of you have worn clergy robes before. I don't know what you're... No, I have not. I haven't even really graduated from anything. I'm like four units short of my degree, so I, <laughs> I have no comparison. Yeah, so, and I'm kind of a, like, again, because I grew up in South Dakota, I'm like Depression-era survivors, so I don't just get like a clergy robe. I get the kind you like never have to dry clean and like iron that you can like throw in the washer, which means it's like thick fabric. And so you got to like... So first you have to wear your clergy shirt and then you have to put this robe over the top and then you have to put like stoles and other things over the top of that. And in 105 degree heat, 
it was a little bit crazy town. And yeah. so there's all of the like awkwardness and weirdness that you have when you're, you know, you're going to be on a TV show that's popular, especially one where you have to like, it's about like giving people the right haircut. And so just <laughs> imagine packing. Yeah, you got to be fashionable. You got to be fashionable. You got to represent. You got to like, you know, conceal any zits that pop up. <laughs> dress. And and so then you've got all these layers of robes. And then so like there's the normal like fear of of like sweat stains. And then there's a 105 degree heat fear of, of sweat. Stains. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. But everyone was lovely. It was great. You have to divulge who is your favorite of the Fab Five. Um, I think I have to pick JVN, Jonathan yeah. Dennis. Good choice. He's amazing. Uh, you know, talked the most about Jesus, so I'm going to give him that one, too. <laughs> yeah. He has a Jesus vibe, I think. Yeah. No, little, no little I bit. think it's intentional. What about... Um, <laughs> I my kids don't think I'm cool, but every once in a while, like I'll interview Steve Kerr, and then there's yeah. just a little glint in their eye, like like I'm cool. Your kids may think you're cool like 24 seven, but I'm wondering if like queer eye sitting down and seeing you on TV that was a fun family experience. It was a fun family experience. It was not an experience where people thought I was cool. My kid, because I I told my kids why I was going to Philadelphia. But then when I was like, the show's coming out, they were like, what show? You were on a show? Like, they could have cared less. They liked the fact that, so they go to Harvey Milk. Uh And so they liked that their friends really like Queer Eye. And they thought it would be cool if their friends, like, knew that I was on Queer Eye. Because they had, there's a lot of Tan Fran, um, Tan France, um, supporters at Harvey Milk Elementary School. And so I, I think they were into the idea that their friends might like it, but they watched it and then they immediately were like, can we have ice cream? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's how it goes. But it's bubbled up since then. My, my seven-year-old sometimes will grab my face and say, I name you and I claim you. <laughs> you are my papa. And then like wander off and... <laughs> Loose sand everywhere. Yeah, that was your famous line from the episode. Just in case listeners have not heard, and, yeah. and be, be fabulous for the Lord was another. Yeah, good. Uh, that should be a bumper sticker. Yeah. Yeah. I I just uh, congratulations. It was a lovely moment. Heather and I were surprised, um, and I've just I just love that you were involved. It's a great show. And I love all the response you've been getting. Um, I've just been watching your Twitter feed, and a lot of people were inspired. So I hope you're just feeling real good about it. Yeah, it's been really wonderful. I've ever, I've never like, so I entered the Lutheran Church extraordinarily at a time when LGBT pastors weren't officially allowed to serve openly. But to watch the the national denomination, the, the ELCA, tweet things like, we're so proud of you. Right. It's like this little moment where you're like, I didn't know I cared that much that you were proud of me. Right. And then to have like, I think I've probably answered just well over a thousand messages online and just since Friday of people who felt like they were healed from things Mm. that were tough or they felt like they were given permission to be more than one side of themselves in a world that kind of hasn't given them per- permission to do that before. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a lovely gift to like have people need pastors mm-hmm. and, yeah. and to like want to go to church 
it's a great time for church shopping. Everybody's online. You don't have to feel embarrassed about what you're wearing or anything. (laughs) (laughs) And while we're talking to you, you have stained glass windows behind you. I can see on Zoom here that your children made. So you have church at home. That's right. Yeah. We wanted to model what it was like to stay home. So we didn't want to film from the church and like encourage people to like break rules. (laughs) Um, So the kiddos made a bunch of stained glass windows and they put their favorite churchy words in them. And we have a church live from the living room every Sunday, which is kind of cool because for anyone who has felt like church wasn't for LGBTQ folk, like my wife's here, like my two kids are here. One of my kids is is trans. And so it's like you get to see this family and imagine the faithfulness amongst a family that most people don't really associate with church. So it's kind of fun. And then we sing like Beatles Mass and Dolly <laughs> Parton Mass. And Can I get a photo Dolly of Parton your uh, stained glass back there? There we go. This is this is because podcasting is not a visual medium. I want to be able to share <laughs> this on Twitter. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about South Dakota to San Francisco. Do you remember your first trip to San Francisco? How old were you? What was it like? Did the angels sing? Um, how'd you get from there to here? And what was that first day in San Francisco like? Well, I I had been in college and it, I was in college during the time when Matthew Shepard was killed. Mm-hmm. And so things got a little rough i was the president of the gay straight alliance at the time and i i started off as a like a uh, art major and switched to religion because people were like so terrible they just kept quoting bible verses that were like about how they thought i was terrible and i like knew enough about the bible that i would just like be like yeah but this one right Mm -hmm. god's anger is a moment but god's love is forever like be free angry people and And so I like, everyone just kept saying like, you need to be a pastor, you need to be a pastor. And I thought that was the dumbest job in the world. I don't know that I was wrong, but, um, (laughs) but I made this deal with God. Like, I don't have to be a pastor because this policy exists unless you show me that there is some place where I can go and study that's going to be supportive of me exactly how I am. Because the Lutheran seminary was like in in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they weren't there yet in the in the early 2000s. And so the seminary in Berkeley, Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary, contacted me and they said, we will fly you here to come see our seminary because we really want to reach out to LGBT pastors and like support them. And so they flew me and my girlfriend at the time out. We both ended up becoming pastors. And they were just like, come meet with some some gay pastors. And we met with like Jeff Johnson and some of the like groundbreaking LGBT pastors who defied the church's rules here in San Francisco. And then, so they had us meet with them for like one day and then they're like, just go be in San Francisco for a while. Cause they, they knew the biggest seller for people to come to their seminary was the city and kind of the beauty of it. And so, so I ended up coming here like a dare with God, like, (laughs) I don't want to have to do this. And then ended up moving here in in january of 2002 to go to school what was your first uh, place that you visited in san francisco did you do like the pier 39 route or were you like hopping <laughs> no, I, on the f line what? i feel like it was a like let's go to the castro now and just be <laughs> nearby and unless you have like theater tickets that lasts like a second and then i think we just 
I think we just like wanted to just eat in rest. Like we just, we're so in awe that gay people could just like walk down the street and be themselves and like hold hands. Um, we, I, we probably did peer like the peers and the wharfs and stuff at a, at a later date. But I just remember like sitting, I don't remember if it was called Harvey's then, but sitting at 18th and Castro in the restaurant and just like trying to make a hamburger last as long as possible because mm-hmm. the giant windows make it so that you can like just watch people. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, your social media game is A plus and it seems like it's become even more like powerful during the pandemic when everybody yeah. needs some, some words of happiness and reassurance on a day-to-day basis. And I've noticed you've been doing a lot of that on Twitter and Instagram. And how do you decide like when we're all stuck at home and going through such a hard time, what to say day-to-day? I think it's partly a like the help of the like social influencer who is like, this is your, this is what the world needs from you. Like you can be a cheerleader from the world my because my faith is like it's not enough to have faith in god you got to have faith in other people and so what are the ways that i can have faith in other people and so that might mean that like some days i'm just grateful that there are people who fix the sewers and i'm like sending thank yous to dpw right for no reason i don't think they get a lot of thank yous so they probably appreciate that (laughs) they do they get you get so many retweets when you thank (laughs) departments like thank the medical examiners they'll be into it right but i think there's there's just so many parts of our city who never get thank yous that it's just such a wonderful gift to kind of just think, well, first, I guess most of it is the 90% of things that I delete because everybody's got that little snark in their fingers. That's like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not always successful Me? in deleting all of Not you guys, other people. <laughs> no, we totally do. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like trying to delete most of the stuff that the world doesn't need or that someone else can say. And then trying to just find a way to be a cheerleader for our city, trying to be a cheerleader for people who don't necessarily get that support. I think that started because I, from from 2002 until like 2014, I was primarily doing homeless ministry. And they're just a population that doesn't have a lot of people who are rooting for them. And they would call me ma or like grandma, even though I was like 21 and they were like in their, their 50s, right? And it just, it just reminded me that like everybody needs a grandma and, you know, why not be the person who's going to like root for someone more than they deserve? I love the idea of just shouting out random offices that no one shouts out. Yeah. I'm going to get off this chat with you and I'm inspired to just write the comptroller's office. Yes. I'm not even sure what they do, but you're doing great comptrolling work. (laughs) Bravo. Yeah. One of the members of my congregation works in that office. I have no idea what or how, but sometimes I'm just like, yes. Yeah. Great you don't job hear... with those numbers. Heather will tell me if I'm wrong. You don't hear a lot of scandals coming out of the comptroller's office, just quietly doing their work there. Yes. Shout out comptrollers. Yes. Quietly <laughs> looking at how much money the city is losing because of this <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Or I, it is fun during budget time when they do come up with one little like question. They're like, we noticed this. And they don't even answer the question. They're just like, we noticed. <laughs> and then the whole city is writing about it the next day. Like, you are little geniuses. And that's yeah. You also play music on your social media. I've noticed. It's true. That's uh, maybe it's a Lutheran thing that we we it, our worship services are like. Let's think of another thing we can pray so that we can sing another song. Um, but yeah, I like taking um, 
songs that have already touched people's hearts and then maybe like changing the words slightly. Mm-hmm. I, I worked for a little while at St. Aidan's Episcopal Church up in Diamond Heights. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, because of the Safeway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my Safeway. Yeah. They hired me for two years to be a pastor there to try to help people who were injured by the church to like know that church existed and was willing to support them. And we were trying to figure out how to do it. We had a jazz musician who was like paid to arrive every time, but then didn't always in a jazz way. And, <laughs> and it was it turned out being really lovely because I needed there to be like something prepared musically. Uh, and so we just started taking like tunes that people already knew because Luther did it a long time ago and I stole the idea from Sister Act. And <laughs> Shout out Sister Act. Yeah. It's so much later in the interview than I thought we would have shouted out. <laughs> yes. But so we just took tunes that we knew. We started with like a Lady Gaga mask because it got a lot of attention and turns out super hard to sing because she actually studies music. And then we found like Bob Dylan masses and Beatles masses were things that actually like move people's heart. During the time that we've been sheltering in place, I've really appreciated. We did a Simon and Garfunkel mass because they like already have that tension of like everything sucks but it's kind of great too yeah all their songs and so it's like why why reinvent everything or or if the song can be a better sermon than the sermon like just put your ego to the side and let simon and garfunkel do their thing It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I got thrown into an article about what our church is going to do um, for Easter service, but just in general with COVID-19. And it seems like everybody went the Zoom route who could earlier, but then things kind of got more creative. I wanted to ask you how you're thinking. Like this virus comes, we can't be together. You're a hugger. I've seen it on Queer Eye. <laughs> I know. I touched so many people. You even grabbed people's face. I did. I kissed <laughs> him on the head and I just met him. <laughs> How do you adjust to this? I just, it's, of all the things that are affected, I think like church um, is is one of the areas that just has to pivot the most. So how have you been pivoting? It's really weird because the style of ministry that I do is called ministry of presence. And it's about just like being there and then just reaffirming that people are already sacred and holy as they are. So it's like being their cheerleader, but in their presence. And and it's such subtle things like, oh, I breathed in this way. And then you had a feeling, right? So that's that's like this pastoral way of being when if you can't be in the same room with someone, it's it's like re- it's like if someone was like, okay, you can still be at the Chronicle, but it can only be in French, right? You'd have to like, just. That would figure, be hard. <laughs> I know you just have to figure everything out. And so we already had a bunch of cool technology stuff that helped us do live streams. Um, and I originally chose not to do zooms because 
there's this weird thing that happens when you're preaching a sermon. Like pastors are paid to ponder and then they speak for like 20 minutes on a Sunday. And I, my body is still going through whatever's happening. Like to try to like say something that's going to speak to other people in the same time that I'm in the same crisis that they're in and my kids are on the couch and I'm hoping they're going to be quiet and a cat's like crawling under the couch like this where it pulls mm -hmm. itself along the fabric. I just, I needed not to have the distraction of a thousand Zoom faces um, because I would be wondering what they were thinking and I wouldn't be able to like, like preach with the delay. And so we do a, a live stream that shows, it's basically like watching a church service that's happening here. And I have the privilege because I have a family to like have a congregation that's still <laughs> sort of with me and I can hug them and I can touch them and pray they stop touching me at certain parts. Right? <laughs> And so it's it's a very strange thing, but other other things like trying to still provide pastoral care to people becomes really difficult. So like what we've done is we sent out Easter cards like it was Christmas. Mm -hmm. Like we sent a picture of our whole family like holding up signs my kids color that were like, you can do it, right? And we just sent them to as many people as we could and we'll take We'll, um, each Saturday, we've made it our routine to go to the post office with like big packages where we just send packages to anyone we're thinking about that week that we want to say that we love. And uh, my, my six-year-old loves making a thousand cards for everyone. And so it works out really well to, to kind of do some of the homey things people used to do before they just sent emails all the time mm -hmm. to care for people. And then sometimes we'll call people from their front yard and just wave at them and cry as Aww, you know. yeah that's really sweet. sing songs to people and and make visits to people and stuff like that and so it's it's been a fun time of trying to figure out like how can we have the same kind of presence with people how can we care for them um but also like give them their time and their space some people are working twice as much as they used to just because their bosses think you don't have to commute anymore, mm -hmm. work more hours. And so it's this dance of like, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm coming into your home, but I'm not like needing it from you. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you don't tune in, you can watch it on Wednesday and it's fine. Yeah. Another um, thing that's been happening during the pandemic here in San Francisco is just the explosion of homelessness and tents and city hall really can't get a handle on it especially in the tenderloin and i know you worked with that population yeah. a lot before and was wondering if you have any thoughts on where san francisco is going wrong um well i guess if i was going to be a cheerleader for san francisco <laughs> um it would just be that i so for me i the reason that people remember that i've done a lot of really cool big ideas like like the free farm was a vacant lot where a church built burned down. And I thought it'd be way easier to keep plants alive than a church. Let's grow some plants. Right. And it was one step at a time to kind of start helping people believe that you could grow produce for free in a space that made no sense. And, and I think that like homelessness and addiction issues and mental health issues, you really have to be willing to have an attitude that you're going to try everything because people deserve the fact that you'll try everything to care for people. You're going to try the popular idea that's got a hashtag and you're going to try the idea that no one even hears about because you just did it 
and you made it happen, right? Exactly. Sorry about my dog. My dog keeps barking every time you say it, you're like in the most soulful or meaningful part of your response. You see why I don't preach on Zoom? No. Yeah. She's very sorry. She's very sorry. Absolved. You're fine. Names, all the creatures. This happens no, in just, every episode. It's not yeah. just you. You'd think I'd figure out to put my dog in a crate or something. It's probably someone's drinking game. You don't know. Right? <laughs> bringing joy to someone right now. But sorry. I, I just think there's a, a certain type of like personality you have to have to keep trying even though things feel impossible and feel hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like we pray for peace every Sunday, just like people have for thousands and thousands of years. And so there's this, you have to have this audacity to keep trying. And right now is a really hard time because everyone on every side is going to be pissed off, right? Mm -hmm. People who want every single homeless person to be moved indoors are going to be mad that you don't reach that goal. And people who think homeless people need to work harder and have a tougher time so that they hit their rock bottom, they're going to be mad that you're trying and not letting them hit the rockiest of rock bottoms. And so like my, my pitch is just like, do the best you can, the best you can. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it means some days in the paper, you look awesome. And some days in the paper, you look like crap, but like, what really gets people through those times is those stories that like are so confidential that you never share anything about them. And so I know from the, the homeless advocates that I know who, who, who do this work for a long period of time, they're being sustained by the individual encounters that they're having and the ways that they're changing people's lives that they couldn't ever expect. And right, like the front yard of my congregation right now at 3030 Niloa, I'm not there, so I'm not going to, like, trick you into church if you stop by the garden. I kind of want to start going to church because of you. Woo! <laughs> Every Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Right? But if you go to our front yard, all of the plants you'll find there are from all of those community gardens that people think closed and don't exist anymore. Right? Oh. There, it's all these plants that have been divided and divided and divided until it, like, filled this sandy front yard that should totally not be able to have life in it. And they even gave me the plaque when the growing home garden for Project Homeless Connect ended at, at Lily and Octavia that was in honor of Eric Baer. Mm. And, and so that's in the front yard of the church uh, at the center of the labyrinth, if anyone wants to come say. Mm. You have a labyrinth too? It. Okay, I'm totally going to go check it's it It's in process. We've started, each year we do a different, uh, we spend like, like 400 bucks to improve a thing. So uh, as long as you come with them remembering that weeds sheltered in place <laughs> the, same time the pastor did right yes but each year it's kind of like a new upgrade and there's all these plants that like blossomed from other spaces and huh. impossible gardens that weren't supposed to be able to have existed so that's awesome nice well i i wanted to ask too about uh, you're the chaplain for the sfpd and that's yeah, a, that's another one that you know Police are in the news right now. Um, yep. You know, there are protests. There's a lot of discussion right now about um, the future of police. And does that change what you do? Do you take a political position on that? What, I, I guess, how did you become the SFPD chaplain? And what's your role as there's a lot of discussion around the future of yep. the SFPD? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think you've heard a little bit about how having faith in people that maybe isn't everyone's cup of tea is a thing I've done for a long time, right? I, mm. I became a chaplain in the police department because there wasn't, there had never been an LGBT uh, pastor who was a part of the chaplaincy before. And the the SFPD is pretty diverse. And so they were were wanting a chaplain that embodied the same diversity as the police officers who served. And, I, you know, someone said, I want to know 100% for sure that if I ever died in this job, that my family would be treated well at my funeral. And I know the other chaplains, I think that would have been the case, but I can't say no to a request like that. Yeah. And so um, became a police chaplain who cares for the SFPD officers. We also do like prayers at graduations. So if there are people who have who have hopes and dreams and wishes for what officers will be like, being the person who gets to say the prayer at the beginning and the end of those graduations, maybe that's a time when when that rooting for people could make a difference. Um, and then I also, out of that, you know, in the in the desire to see kind of that fuller communal way of being that used to exist back to when you could like open the yellow pages and call a pastor and they'd like live next door to the church and so like if there was an issue you just call them and they'd be like i fixed it mm -hmm. and that'd be like 10 years or 10 minutes later and now everyone like lives in all in different parts of the the bay area mm -hmm. um, who are who are being pastors and so you can't really just call them to help out or if there's a fire in the neighborhood you used to be able to just call a faithful person. And even if it wasn't the community of faith that that person belonged to, they would like know the person who was connected to them. And so as, as things kind of shifted and there was no like phone book to be able to call up a, a pastor to care for a community, there needed to be kind of a more organized way to do it. And so a bunch of chaplains got together. We studied all the best practices of how chaplains work with police departments around the country. And we came up with this idea for a community chaplaincy, which enables chaplains to support people uh, if a loved one dies in whatever way they might die. So if there's a bad car accident and the community is really sad about it, um, anyone who is a first responder can call our community chaplaincy now and we can come and help people through their grief in a constitutional way, which means it's not about our faith, it's just about supporting people through grief um, and any difficulties that might happen. And so that encompasses everything from kind of those, those emergency moments when 911 is involved to um, helping folk who want to be nonviolent in a protest have people who can support them stay nonviolent in a protest. And so because I get this really broad range of ways of being as a chaplain, um, it, it really feels like I can be authentically from whatever political position uh, and there is a space for me within that. And so like I, I responded to the ghost ship fire when that was happening to care for people. I've responded to several several things you've never read about in the papers just to care for families and support them. And so, you know, you, it, you're as likely to see me at a giant protest trying to get the bullhorn to the person who's most affected by an issue as you would be 
um, you know, in someone's house because someone they love died and mm. it might be a few hours until the medical examiner arrives. That's wow. that's beautiful. I'm I'm surprised yeah. my dog didn't interrupt you in the middle of it. Hey! <laughs> well, we're gonna be cheerleaders for you now Yay! and say how awesome your work is and that we appreciate it. But before we let you go, you yeah. have to be subject to the famous lightning round. Okay. Okay. You ready? All right. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, I'm gonna say Cecilia's because we don't get a lot of sunset love for burritos. This is true. Yeah. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Sister Act. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that is the correct answer. Yes. <laughs> I knew, but I had to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Where is your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Ooh. I've been a parent too long. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Um, I'm going to say we do like a movie date night at my house that always involves a stiff drink. Okay. I'm going to say right here, sheltering in place. Nice. <laughs> Maybe there should be a new cocktail called the shelter in place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the last book you read? Oh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, holy troublemakers and unconventional saints. Mm, okay. Yeah. What was your first concert? Ooh, Smashing Pumpkins. Obviously <laughs> cool. is the right answer. Was that in Sioux Falls? It was in the arena. In the arena. <laughs> it didn't need another name because there was only one in the state. <laughs> the arena. <laughs> what is the one thing you're looking forward to most about Shelter in Place ending? When you can do anything you want, what will you do? Someone else watching my children and then I take a nap. <laughs> And last question, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Ooh. Um, every morning we begin the day with 30 minutes of cuddles. Oh, wow, that's like a lot of cuddle time. A kid pile. Or, or is it a lot? <laughs> it's, it's a good amount. It's also that's a great. lot of elbows, too. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun to talk to you. Yeah, I have I have two requests. Um, okay. We'd love to have you back. I You are yeah. very funny and fun. I'm thinking like breaking down a San Francisco movie, something nice. like that. So, yeah. um, and I'll take it a step further. Like if Heather and I, something befalls us, um, I'm guessing it would be during a bike ride. Yeah. Um, I, I would, you're high on my list of people to come and just take over Total SF. Yeah. So you're a very total SF person. And, Thank uh, you. I would be very, very into it. Yeah. I actually have a proposal on that movie thing. Yeah. Why don't we watch Sister Act 2 Sister and break Act it down even better. on a total SF episode? I mean, they have terrible shorts, but they have really good songs. Well, they have Lauren yeah. Hill. And they have Lauren Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will book it. Sister Act okay. 2. It's I'm done. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Bye. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Pastor Megan Rohr. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. <laughs>